Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of my podcast, Advocate with Ashley. I'm your host, Ashley Pervine, and today joining me is my guest, Libby McIndoo. Libby is a recent graduate of Stillwater High School in the central area of Oklahoma and is the outgoing chapter president and a former state officer candidate. During her time in FFA, she showed cattle, gave speeches, was a part of the livestock judging and ag issue CDE teams, and served on the chapter officer team. She has also served on the Oklahoma Department of Agriculture, Food and Forestry Ag Youth Council, as well as the Oklahoma Junior Cattlemen's Board. And I am so thankful to call Libby my friend. So Libby, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, hi guys. Uh, first off, Ashley, thank you so much for having me today. What an honor to be able to you know, share my experiences with you and as well as the younger members of Oklahoma. Um, well, hi, I am Libby McIndoo. I was born in Bozeman, Montana and moved to Oklahoma uh, about sixth grade and have been here ever since. Um, I've shown cattle, played multiple different sports. I played softball and volleyball while showing cattle. That's fun. Play two sports and show an animal. Um, highly recommend it. Um, other than that, I kind of just found my place in FFA when I joined in eighth grade. I kind of played around with different things. Eighth grade year, I judged livestock. I gave a speech, um, went to all the different meetings and tried to find my place there. And I really found that public speaking was kind of my thing and something that I really enjoyed. Uh, freshman year was really, really busy with, uh, with athletics, so I didn't get a chance to give a speech freshman year. But uh, junior and senior year with kind of COVID mixed in between, I gave two speeches and ended up loving it. Um, I just recently graduated uh, from Stillwater High School and will be attending Oklahoma State in the fall. And I'm going to major in animal science with a business option and a minor in agriculture communications. That's the plan right now. It'll probably change, but that's what we're going with. That is so awesome. And I love the story of you moving from Montana down to Oklahoma. That's awesome. Yeah, it was a it was quite the journey. Actually, I remember my dad telling us come, I came home from uh, school in fifth grade. It's the middle of February. So there's like snow on the ground and everything. And my dad goes, okay, so we've got something to tell y'all. Uh, what do you think it is? And I don't know why, but when I sat down, I just had this gut feeling. I was like, we're moving. And, you know, we kind of threw out different ideas. And he goes, well, I accepted a job at Oklahoma State University. And the first time in my head, I'm like, okay, wait, where is Oklahoma? <laughs> like, where are we going? Where, where, what are we doing? And he showed us pictures of the stadium and all that. And it was super cool. And we ended up moving in about uh, the middle of June, the middle of June in uh, 2015. So we've been here for quite a while, but that was quite the journey to move all the way from Oklahoma or Montana down to Oklahoma. That's so awesome. So Libby, how did you get into the agriculture industry? Quite literally from birth. And I know that kind of that term gets thrown around quite a bit, but it is honestly the truth for me. Uh, my my grandparents actually owned a cow-calf operation about an hour away from where I was born. So every week we would travel up there and we would go work cows with them. We would go ride horses and play in the tractor and ride in four-wheelers. Like most of my childhood photos, if you were to pull out a photo album, are somewhere on their ranch. And so I knew from a very young age, like I just loved horses. I would get on top of one and I would just fall in love with it. 
And I remember there's a picture of me at two years old on top of a horse by myself riding all alone. Like I learned very young how to ride a horse. And so I knew just from that young age that this was definitely something that I wanted to do moving forward in my life. I didn't know exactly what, like I wanted to be a vet for a long time. And I've kind of phased out of that, but I just knew that I wanted to be in the ag industry somewhere when I grew up just because of the way that um, I was raised. Oh, I completely understand that one. I actually kind of have a similar experience. I'm the fifth generation on my family's farm. And when I was little, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a vet. And I was like, okay, I'm going to be a vet. Then I get to about my fourth grade year. And I'm like, yeah, I don't think I want to be a vet. (laughs) Something else. But it's definitely going to be something in agriculture. Absolutely. (laughs) So you talked briefly about how your grandparents had a cow-calf operation. So I know that you show cattle. So what got you started showing cattle? So my mom grew up showing cattle throughout. Actually, she showed kind of everything. She showed um, uh, lambs and cattle both, I guess. And she and her sisters all did it together. And so so she grew up in this this, uh, industry, in this world. And so she really wanted us kids to do it when we got to the age Well, being an hour away from grandma and grandpa, you know, it's pretty easy to say, hey, grandpa, do you mind giving us a a calf that we can raise and show up there? No big deal. So we worked out a deal with them where um, at nine years old, whenever we could start showing, we would get our first calf from our grandparents. So I watched my brother go. So I'm I'm two years younger than my older brother. And so I watched him go through it two different years. And I just knew that, oh, my gosh, this looks so much fun. I really want to do it when I get to that age. So so I did when I got there. And I it just stuck immediately. I had one. Um, you know, we, I got one for my grandparents. We showed it at the Gallatin County Fair. And then we showed all the way up until we moved. And then we moved down here. And that was the first thing that we did when we moved down here was look for a place that had land or a barn or some sort of outbuilding in order to be able to get show cabs and show down here. So it kind of started with my mom's childhood and then, you know, being really close to my grandparents and having that accessibility to calves at a young age. That's so awesome. I know that growing up on a farm with about 500 head of cattle, it makes it a lot easier to start your showing journey. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I wouldn't have traded it for the world. Now, if you look at the calves that I finished out with at OYE and the the first calf that I had you would you would cringe hard but you know what I loved it and it was something that I could call my own and take care of and you know have a little bit of pride in if you will so I wouldn't trade it for the world but I do understand the the difference between you know the show the show calf world in Montana and the show calf world in Oklahoma two different places (laughs) so speaking of having pride in your animals I know that Showing livestock teaches you a lot of different lessons. So what are some lessons that the show barn has taught you? I think my favorite is that it's never too early to dance. (laughs) And I know that sounds funny, but we, me and my siblings, we kind of do, it's definitely a family operation here. And um, so we all go in the barn at four o'clock in the morning or show day or whatever at three. 
And the first thing that we do is turn on the speaker and have a dance party. Because if you don't start the day out dancing, you know, it's just not going to be a good day. So we do that. That's probably my favorite thing. But besides responsibility and hard work, something that I learned looking back on it is probably patience. And patience with, you know, the people you're working with in the barn. So for me, that's my siblings. And because not everybody has a great day all the time. And so you just have to have patience with the people that you're working with. But then also have to have patience with the animals that you're working with because halter breaking is a process. You can't just go out there for five minutes a day and expect your calf to be halter broken. You have to go out and continue to work with them and work with them and work with them to get them to the point where you want them to be. And also just have patience in their progress because you can't expect, you know, March OYE results in the middle of July. I mean, that calf is half the age, half the weight, and has zero hair in the middle of Oklahoma's heat. So you can't just throw up your hands and say, you know what, why am I doing this? Or be frustrated with the progress that you're seeing in the middle of July when you know what they want, when you know what you want them to look like at the end. You just have to have patience in the process to be able to work through that and work through the growing stages and, you know, do research on feed and things like that to be able to help you get from, you know, the scrawny calf in the middle of July to the OYE March results that you want. So I think that's probably the biggest thing that I've learned uh, looking back on my years of showing livestock. I completely understand that one. Patience when working with livestock is definitely very, very important. And we often don't realize it until we're sitting back and we're like, oh, Maybe if I would have just been a little more patient, things would have worked out a little better. Absolutely, absolutely. So, speaking of patience and livestock, there's another thing that, from my understanding, you're pretty good at that requires a lot of patience and deals with a lot of livestock. So, what got you started with livestock judging? Oh, that's that's kind of a fun story. So, uh, eighth grade, I'm just eager to get into anything FFA that I could possibly get into. And so uh, in the summertime, my ag teacher was like, hey, there's this thing called Big Three. Uh, I think you would really enjoy it. And uh, it's a livestock judging contest. You know, there's three three different days you'll judge pigs one day, sheep and goats one day, and then you'll judge cattle the next and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, well, Mr. Brinscombe, I've I've never judged livestock before. And he goes, well, you show. So, I mean, you've been around the livestock. So you'll get a hang of it, I promise. All right. Well, okay. So I also played volleyball and that's right in the middle of two days. And so I literally leave volleyball practice, like immediately change into jeans and whatever shirt I could find in my closet that morning. Show up to big three. He goes, here's a Scantron. Never seen a Scantron in my life. And he goes, okay, here's how you bubble it in. You bubble your classes. And um, bubble in with pencil, don't over bubble, that kind of thing, and you'll be good. Okay, so I go out, and I have no idea what I'm doing. I've had no, no previous experience, no, you know, judging class of, okay, here's what you're looking for, like specifics kind of deal. Um, but I knew, I knew livestock, and I knew, okay, breeding stock, I'm looking for A, B, and C. Okay, market class, I'm looking for A, B, and C, that kind of thing. And so that's what I went in with. And um, I really enjoyed it, actually. I liked being able to, you know, um, make it a quick decision and and just the evaluation of the livestock I really enjoyed. And I ended up, 
I think I only dropped like 50 my first day judging all of those classes at big three. And I think that was like pigs or something or sheep I only dropped 50. So in, but out of the three days in total, I probably only dropped a hundred points out of three days. Uh, my first time ever judging livestock. So I thought that was really interesting, but I just really fell in love with it. And I wish I had been able to do it more throughout my high school career. I went into a couple jackpot um, livestock judging contests, but I never really got into it like super, super big, but I wish I had, but I really enjoyed it while I did it. That is so awesome. I know I've seen you at a couple judging contests and you know, Big three, that's a crazy contest to get thrown into you to for your very first one. I mean, there's like a thousand people all packed into Chattachay Arena and it's hot and it's muggy and it's the middle of July. You're like, okay, I'm here shoulder to shoulder with other people. I don't know. Why am I here? <laughs> Absolutely. I was like, okay, all right, here we go. And I had just, and I thought I was going to be late too, because I came straight from volleyball practice. And so I'm over here like panting, having a panic attack. My actor's like, calm down. You're fine. Just jump in, go have fun. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and it turned out for my benefit, I guess. So all good. <laughs> so what is the biggest thing that livestock judging has taught you? I think it's making quick decisions fast. You know, you've got to, you only have a set amount of time that you have to look at the animals in that pen. And so you have to know exactly what you're looking for when you walk up to that pen. So kind of like I said, I had a checklist in my head. So I know, okay, I'm looking at a market. Uh, I'm looking at a market class of steers. Okay, what am I looking for? And just already have that in your mind. So the moment that you look at them, you know, you're evaluating them, but you know what you're looking for. So you're able to make uh, quick decisions on that. So I think that's kind of what I picked up from livestock judging. Yeah, and I've, I definitely agree with that. I've learned since I've started livestock judging. I started when I was like 10 years old. And with a dad that judged at Oklahoma State, it's, there's a lot of expectation there, but I know that it's definitely just taught me just think fast. I mean, yeah. as my ag teacher says, think long, think wrong. And, you know, he's right. I've dealt with that experience more times than I'd like to admit, but it definitely teaches you to make those quick decisions. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you're right. If you think long, you're wrong. Like the longer you look at them, the more you're going to be like, well, wait a minute. But <laughs> you know what you're looking for, right? When you go up to that pin, you won't have time to second guess yourself. Oh, yeah. So I know that you compete in the Ag Issue CDE. So I'm not super familiar with that CDE. So what exactly is the Ag Issue CDE? So the Ag Issue CDE is there's a team of up to seven people and you pick, you know, you pick a hot topic in agriculture at the moment. And you present both sides of the issue. So a very, you know, a general issue would be the um, meat packing issue right now of packers taking too much money, ranchers not getting enough. So um, you would create a quick skit of, you know, you'd probably have some ranchers, you would have some people on the meat packing side, and you'd probably have some commentators or maybe a lawyer or something like that. If you're putting together a skit and you would present both sides of the issue. So you'd present the issue on the farmer's side of, hey, I'm not getting enough money, or um, on the packer side, 
I honestly don't have a debate for the Packers side. I think they're wrong. But um, you would present some sort of something on the Packers side and you have commentators kind of facilitating the conversation between the two of them. And, um, the, and then you have a panel of judges who will ask you 15 minutes of questions about anything related to your issue. Um, I can't think of questions off the top of my head right now, but they would ask questions about it and then you would answer on the research that you've done. So this past year, um, the Stillwater, we did uh, dollar generals. Are they helping or are they hurting food deserts? So that's a really interesting topic. Um, There's a lot that goes into that. You know, you've got the dollar general side of it of, okay, it is helping and it is bringing food into it, but is it healthy food? So you've kind of presented like three different issues with dollar generals of it. They're in food deserts, yes, but are they presenting healthy food well no not really because not a lot of them have um fresh produce sections and the opposite side it's are they hurting farmers because you know you're it's the convenient of you're in a small town the only thing you have is a dollar general okay well that's where you're going to go spend your money so is it hurting your local farmer so it was definitely a really interesting um issue to debate and it was definitely new and not very well talked about so there definitely was a lot of research that went into it, but it was um, a topic that I think someone could get into when judging it. That sounds so cool. I've never really dealt with it before, but, you know, I might have to do some convincing to Mr. Cleaver and kind of sell to him that, hey, we should have an ag team. I think you should. I, I honestly really enjoyed it. I like research and I like... Um, Finding new things. Now, this topic, my ag teacher did do a lot of, we helped with the research, but he did do a lot of it. That's kind of his thing. And so he definitely, he enjoyed researching this topic, but I think it's such, there's so many issues, not not in a bad way, but there are a lot of things that can be debated within the agriculture industry. And I think if you were to be able to put together a team to be able to present both sides of an issue, it's just, it's extremely impressive for a group of high school students to do. So I highly recommend anybody taking a part in it, or at least listening to an Ag Issues contest, because it, it, it was really, it's impressive to listen to the other groups as well as ours. That sounds so awesome. So what got you started in the Ag Issues CD? I wish it was like a really cool, like come to Jesus moment story, but it really wasn't. We were, um, I think it was my, what was it? My junior year, it was, we're at, sitting at state convention at lunch and I'm listening to three other members of Stillwater talk about contests that they've been a part of or contests that they want to be a part of. And one girl goes, hey, do you think we could, we could get together an Ag Issues team? And I was like, I mean, what is Ag Issues? Same kind of thing as you. I was like, what is Ag Issues? I've never really heard of that. And so they started explaining it to me. You put together this skit and this team and you create and um, you debate this issue and all this. I was like, hey, now that sounds like something that I would really enjoy. So there were seven of us at that table, I think. And all of us were like, hey, this is our team. This is what we're doing. So I looked over at Mr. Branscombe and I was like, "Uh, Mr. Branscombe? And he was like, yeah. I said, can we put together an Ag Issues team? And he goes, for next year? And I was like, yeah. And he goes, well, it's it's May. And I'm like, well, yeah, we just wanted to get it going quick. And he was like, okay. So we put together an Ag Issues team sitting at uh, Tex Philadelphia in uh, Oklahoma City uh, during state convention of my junior year. <laughs> that is such a cool story. And 
I know that if we suggested an idea like that, it would probably be like, what in the world? <laughs> I have no idea what this is. What is going on? <laughs> but that is so cool that some crazy idea kind of turned into such an amazing experience. Yeah, it was it was pretty fun. It was it was a it was a good time. So what's the biggest lesson you've learned while competing in the Ag Issues contest? And I think I think the lesson that I learned the most is practice makes permanent. And that's a sentence or that's a saying that I learned from one of my volleyball coaches. But I think it really applies to this as well. Um, you know, when you're memorizing something, you have to say it over and over and over and over again. And it doesn't make perfect because everybody makes mistakes. I no matter how many times I said it, there would be times in practice where I would, you know, forget a word or uh, change a word in the sentence because I couldn't remember what it was and have to change it on the fly type situation. But the more you practice it, the more permanent it makes it in in your head. And I think that goes for any public speaking, really, but definitely for ag issues uh, because there are a lot of moving parts to it. And um, so the more you practice it and the more you read the script too and know um, everybody else's things. You don't have to memorize what they're saying, but definitely memorize, you know, who goes where and who speaks when and generally what they say, because if you pick up on those context clues, it'll be, it um, organizes itself in your head a lot better. So the more you practice it, the more permanent it makes it in your head. That is a fantastic piece of advice. That so speaking of memorizing things and speaking, what all speeches have you given in your time in FFA? So I gave a speech my eighth grade year that was the most crash and burn public speaking I have ever done. Oh my goodness, it was so bad. I procrastinated extremely hard on memorizing my speech. But once I finally got it memorized, I was like, hey, this is actually kind of fun. So I get into the room and it wasn't a terrible presentation, but it definitely was not my best. And I didn't make it out of regionals. So that was my first and last speech contest of that year because I didn't make it to any of the jackpots either. But I did find that I really, really enjoyed it. So kind of later that fall, that next fall, so my the fall of my freshman year, I started researching and writing a speech about um, the, uh, what was it? Meat labeling, uh, meat labeling, and the importance of not having vegan or, um, you know, like tofu products use meat terms. So instead of veggie burger, it would be veggie patty or something else besides veggie burger because consumers aren't informed enough to be able to go into a store and see if you're traveling really fast or you're, you know, you're shopping quick and you're just grabbing things off the shelf. And, um, you go and and someone who really isn't informed on the difference between, you know, a veggie burger or like a real meat burger, they might be really confused. And so I found the importance of that. So I was researching that one and uh, COVID ended up halting that, um, the, my junior year, I think is what that one was. My junior year ended up halting that one. Um, and then, or my, sorry, my sophomore year, sophomore year, COVID halted it. Junior year comes back around. Cleaver's like, Hey, you still have that speech? And I was like, yeah. And she goes, Great. We're leaving for a speech contest in three days. I said, Cleaver, or what? And she goes, yep, we're leaving for a speech contest in three, three days. Better be prepared. All right. Okay. Get in. So nervous. 
completely forget half of my speech. Like, go in, say the first half, don't remember anything else. Like, not even enough to be prompted. Like, it's completely gone. Oh, my gosh. It was so embarrassing. I was like, this is this is terrible. How? How in the world? And so I was like, okay, never doing that again. So I went home, practiced it every single day. Like I said, practice makes permanent. Every single day. In the shower, before I went to bed, on my way to school, at in ag class, gave it to Miss Cleaver, gave it to all of my ag teachers. Like, every single day. And um, went to... A couple more jackpots, just a few small ones. And then we made it to regionals, made it through regionals, went to area, made it through area, and it actually ended up making it to state. Never would I thought I would have made it to state had having that first contest be as crash and burn as it was. Um, but that was an experience, and that was really fun. I went up against a lot of phenomenal speakers that year. So wasn't really expecting much um, my first run at, run at state. But still try to be competitive, but definitely was in a room of some pretty phenomenal speakers. So that was tough. And then senior year, I gave another ag policy speech because I really, really enjoyed that um, division. And that one was over property rights for farmers. So that one was a really fun one to give. There's a lot of debate on that one. And it's kind of a not as well talked about topic as the meat labeling was. So it was kind of new and out there. Um, I ended up getting stopped at uh, area. I got third at area, but it was still a really fun speech to give and probably my favorite, actually. The property rights one was my favorite, but those were the two big ones that I competed with um, throughout FFA. Those are so awesome, and I know that I'm very interested in the Ag Policy Speaking Division. I feel that this year my speech probably could have gone either in the Ag Policy Division or the division I ran it in but that's definitely something that I see very similarly with you on the whole ag policy thing. Oh, yeah. It was definitely my favorite one to compete in. And it's probably – I really enjoyed the kids that I competed against. Um, they were really fun. And I think that was kind of just the luck of the draw, I guess. But I really enjoyed competing against them. And then also just the people involved in the ag policy – side of agriculture really just fascinated me and a lot of really really good role models that I look up to today and so it was really fun to be able to you know just give them a phone call and be like hey I'm doing this research you know would you be able to help me and and if they couldn't they would find someone who could and I'm sure that's true for any division you want to run a speech in but definitely something that I found firsthand in ag policy of it was so easy to find resources to be able to write there was just so many people out there who were willing to help with it. Oh, for sure. So in talking about ag policy, um, we often see a lot of challenges presented to the agriculture industry, no matter if it's attacks from the media or consumer misconception or different things like that. So what do you think is one of the biggest challenges facing the agriculture industry today? Hmm. That's a, that's a very broad question, and I, and I like it. I think there are a lot of issues that are facing it, but I think one uh, that I see a lot is probably just consumer um, miscommunication. Consumers don't necessarily understand what we do in the agriculture industry or how their food gets from the farmer's field or the farmer's ranch 
to the store to their plate. They really just think, you know, okay, well, it just shows up here. And I think that became really apparent when COVID first hit. People were like, why are there, why is there no food on the shelves? Why, why is meat, you know, 10, di- 10 times higher than it was, you know, a couple months ago? Or why is there no meat on the shelf? And it really just dawned, I feel like, on the general public of, okay, where is my food actually coming from? And I think that, I think that sparked something um, of doing more research on their own or just paying more attention generally to um, advertisements or things like that on where their food actually is coming from. But I think that's a big issue facing agriculture today is people don't understand what we do or how their food gets from point A to point B. And so they throw attacks at us and they don't, but they don't really know what they're attacking type situation. I think that's a big issue that I see. Oh, I completely agree with that. I know that in my speech this year, I talked about how COVID really sparked something within consumers and they kind of decided like, hey, there's no food right now. Where the heck does my food come from? And that's kind of what you were talking about earlier about the processing thing. Um, that's actually what my speech was about. And it was really interesting to learn more about just not only in Oklahoma, but in our nation, how many people genuinely had no idea what was going on. And they really had no idea that the ranchers are getting a very, very small portion of what they probably should be getting. Absolutely. I totally agree with you. So in the same line of communication, I know that social media is a big way that we communicate nowadays. A lot of people use social media to stay in touch with their friends or get information about different things. So how can we utilize social media within agriculture to advocate? I think that something that's super easy for our generation to be able to do is just kind of post like um, the daily ag update, I guess. Uh, something in Something going on in the agriculture. There's always something going on. But if you were to pick one thing and just post it, because the last thing on the farmer or rancher's mind right now is that's working out in the field every single day is, oh, posting a daily ag update or something of that nature to be able to spread the word of what they're doing. So I think that if the younger generations who are still in ag industry, but aren't the boots on the ground working in the field every single day, can be able to help them with that post some sort of something, some sort of positive ag um daily post I think is probably what I would do and I try to do if ever I come across it on my feed I'm like oh this is a a fun helpful tip for people to know or this is something fun going on in ag right now or keep up with our Oklahoma Department of Agriculture repost some of their stuff because they've got a lot of good stuff on there Um, I think just that kind of thing just daily updates or daily fun facts just to be able to spread the word about agriculture Definitely agree with that one. So as we're talking about communication and telling the story about agriculture, one of the events that I've attended that kind of helped me to see a lot of different ways that we can utilize to tell the world about agriculture was actually the Payne County Leadership Conference that your FFA chapter put on. So I'm sure that you are one of the main visionaries in the whole operation. So kind of tell me about what the vision for that conference was. Um, I think the vision for that conference in um, talking with my ag teachers about it 
they they get a lot of credit for putting that together. We we helped facilitate it, but most of the ideas um, came from them. We threw in a couple, but I think the vision for that really was just to get students together just to just locally and not have to feel like the only way to get together to build leadership or build connections or um, just fellowship with each other was either on a area level or even a state level at state convention. Um, so we really just wanted it to be kind of like a smaller version of um, kind of like ALD or MFE, just like a smaller version of, you know, just building leadership skills and that kind of thing, just on a smaller scale and just uh, more personal, I think is really what I'm trying to go for is it was just, just, just more personal um, kind of a conference, but it was really fun to, it was new this year and I hopefully they'll do it again next year, which I think they have plans to. So I think maybe make it a little bit bigger, expand it to a couple of the smaller schools around Stillwater other than just Payne County. But I think it's just more of a personal connection but still building leadership skills type conference. I love the mission of the conference. And I remember that the theme was telling your ag story. So Libby, why do you think it's important to tell your own personal ag story? I, that's probably my favorite question. I, I love sharing my ag story because no two people are the same. And that doesn't matter what industry or what life you live. God has given us all very unique skills and um, and very unique lives. So I think sharing your own story is so is so interesting because the the more you share it in your path somewhere along the way, you're going to connect with someone who may have lived like a similar life or find something in your ag story to be so interesting interesting and it either help them out just on their daily basis or it'll get them interested in agriculture that actually happened to me um this year during the speech season there was a boy who from Stillwater who gave speeches and I I love this kid with my whole heart he's so sweet um but his whole family is all engineers now I don't think he's going to go into the ag world somewhere but he took ag kind of just as like an elective and then he kind of started to get involved and then he gave speeches and we were every speech contest, we would travel somewhere and I would just share a little bit more of my ag story just to try and keep him interested in it. Cause he was kind of like, you know, I'm not really sure if I want to stay in it anymore. Uh, maybe next year, maybe just, you know, maybe just a one year thing. He, he's an eighth grader and so, or he's a freshman. Sorry. He's a freshman. And, but, the longer the speech season went on, the more interested in FFA he became. And it actually got to the point where he was like, okay, I'm going to run for chapter office. And I was like, oh my gosh, you're serious? And he was like, yeah. So, and I think just sharing your ag story can help someone along more than you think it will. And actually at the end, um, after my retiring address, he gave me this little letter and he was like, hey, I, I really... I just, ha here's, here's, here's what I have. And he was, it was so cute. And he just handed it to me and ended up reading it later on. And he started it with saying, I don't know why I'm writing this, but I am, which is so him. And I loved it. But, um, part of it was, he was like, you know, you just really got me interested in FFA and I look forward to getting more involved and continuing and hopefully making chapter office in my future years and things like that. And I think, but that spurred from me sharing my ag story with him. So I think the importance of it is you never know who you're going to connect with or the importance of maybe your story 
to somebody else. So I love sharing my story, but that's probably a recent experience with sharing it. I absolutely love that story. So kind of staying on the track of the younger generation, how are you helping to educate the younger generation about agriculture? Um, I think what I have found to be the most useful is uh, one, building a personal relationship with them. And that goes for anything and not just getting them involved in agriculture, but just getting to know them on a personal level anyways. And after you do that, find out what their interests are. And then once you do that, then get them involved in something in agriculture because the it, with anything, when you're interested in something, it goes a lot better. So I find that if you're, you find something that they're interested in, in agriculture, get them involved in that and then kind of filter more agriculture into them. And um, that happens a lot, even when um, with the eighth and ninth graders, but I found it also to be helpful when teaching, um, you know, elementary kids too. You just have to find something that they're interested in and then relate it to something in agriculture. I completely agree with that one. I know that for our eighth graders, I've tried to help out as much as I can in terms of trying to encourage them to get involved. And you're exactly right. Finding, making a personal connection with those kids and finding a place where they would belong in FFA and they would enjoy it is such a huge thing because I feel like oftentimes people get into FFA and they're like, like I have no idea what I'm supposed to do here. I don't know what I'm doing. And I feel like it's really important to make that personal connection and help people to see where they could be involved within agriculture. Absolutely. Because even if you live in like, because in Stillwater, we are more of a, there are a lot of uh, rural area kids, or not rural, I'm sorry, urban area kids that take ag just as an elective. And some of them just take it to take the class. But then others, you know, they'll take it and then they're like, wait a minute, this is actually something that I want to be a part of. And it may not be on a livestock side, but it might be on, you know, communication side, public speaking side, quiz bowl, like any of those CDE contests that don't really require livestock. And so, but if you make those personal connections with them, you make them believe that they belong in agriculture or in FFA somewhere. And then once they find that, then your goal is to figure out specifically where they belong and help them get that in that right direction. Oh yeah. I completely agree with that one. So in light of involvement in agriculture, I know that you were on the ag youth council last year. So just kind of tell us a little bit about what the ag youth council is. So it's probably been one of my favorite things that I've ever been a part of. I've walked, I walked in a room of 20 students or 20 kids didn't know a single person in that room and I have now walked out with 20 new best friends so and anybody wanting to do it I highly recommend it but it was a council that was put in place by Secretary Arthur about four years ago I think I was the graduating class four um and it is a pool of you put an application they select about 20 students and then for eight months starting in August ending in May you um, meet once a month and you travel the state of Oklahoma together 
going to different parts of Oklahoma's agriculture industry. So, for example, we went to, you know, Remington Park and kind of got a big tour of Remington Park. We went to a tree farm and this lady explained to us, you know, her livelihood and how she got started in this tree farm and what all goes into it and like the economic impact on Oklahoma and the ag industry in Oklahoma. We went to a, um, a, local packing plant that was kind of cool it was a small scale packing plant that was fun um where else did we go um we went to the state capitol we got to interact with the legislators and um with the governor and that was kind of cool and with secretary arthur herself we had a sit down meeting at one of them and kind of just you know talked about life and then talked about agriculture and you know our aspirations in the future um job shadows so another part of being on the council you don't have to sign a contract but kind of in your contract in the job description is you have to do two different job shadows which they sound daunting and scary but really so so fun you get to pick two people one has to be at the department of agriculture and the other one is someone in oklahoma's ag industry so i worked out at a ranch um in perkins oklahoma throughout the fall so I just kind of continued that and made one of those my job shadows and then my second job shadow was the deputy commissioner Miss Janley Rowlett and that was a really cool experience so I got to spend the day at ODAF and you know follow her around and see what she gets to do on a daily basis and kind of just learn and glean from her and so that the Ag Youth Council was probably one of the best decisions I ever made one because I met so many people not just students but also um high-ranking adults who you know um you can build a relationship with in the future and have like i said people are always willing to help those people that group that you connect with definitely willing to help with anything um so definitely one of my favorite experiences throughout senior year that is so awesome i cannot wait to apply for the ag youth council i'm just waiting and waiting for it to be the summer before my senior year so I can apply. Oh my gosh, please do. I promise you, you will not regret it. It was by far my one of my favorite things of senior year. Just the, the kids, we all got along so well. We even still have a group chat. The group chat gives me life every single day. Oh my gosh, the stuff that comes through there, hilarious. Like it'll be a situation where, you know, we're all in college. Most of us are going to Oklahoma State. There are a few that are going to um, different schools around Oklahoma. Some are going to judge. A couple of kids are going to Texas. But I think if we all had like a giant Ag Youth Council meetup, oh my goodness, it would be like a high school reunion that you enjoyed going to kind of deal. Like it, <laughs> it's going to be so much fun. That sounds so awesome. So what are some of the things that you've learned while being on the Ag Youth Council? Uh, connections matter. The You always hear the saying, it's not it's not who you know it's it's who you know and it's it's definitely the truth you know you the more people that you get to know and the more people you get to to meet is it's a lot that's a lot and that's and that's big for a high school senior to be able to be given the opportunity to meet those people and be put in that position is is a big deal um yeah and first impressions First impressions mean a lot. The The way you introduce yourself, the handshakes, the eye contact, that goes a long way for the generations of people that you're meeting. As a high school senior, to be able to look the governor of Oklahoma in the eyes and shake his hand and introduce yourself, 
that that will go a long, long way. So I think those two things, it's, you know, the people that you meet and then the first impressions mean mean a lot. Oh, yeah, I completely understand that one. And I've heard the it's not what you know, it's who, you know, saying my whole life. And up until the time that I think really it was when I got an FFA, I kind of was like, oh, this is like really very true. Oh, absolutely. Adults keep repeating it and they're like, you know what? It's not what you know, it's who you know. And now I really, really understand it. I'm like, wow, they're really right. Absolutely. Yeah, it's yeah, it's not what you know. It's it's definitely who you know. And that goes for anything really. That goes for, you know, showing livestock, playing sports in school, like just not it's not what you know, it's definitely who you know and and what impression you made upon them when you met them. Oh, for sure. So in talking about being at the Capitol with the Ag Youth Council, I know that when I think of the Capitol, I think of the governor, the state representatives, the state senators, and all those different things. But, you know, I really don't think about the true legislative process. So why do you think it's important that the agriculture youth learn about the legislative process? I think... Oh, wow. That's a that's a big one. And so going into Ag Council, I didn't necessarily like I knew the legislative process, but I didn't really at the same time. I kind of just like, oh, okay, it's like this process that happens. But I think it's important for the youth to at least generally understand is because those are the laws that affect our livelihood. So laws that get passed or laws that um let's see what's a what's an example um like there's a bill in california it was proposition 12 i'm not sure i can't remember exactly if it's been passed or not i think it has but that bill basically says that um california restaurants cannot buy pork from farmers who are sorry from ranchers who raise their pigs in like a certain space like if it's too small they basically cannot buy from them which is the most insane thing I've ever heard in my entire life but it's <laughs> but it's important for us to understand the legislative process so that moving forward when we're of voting age and there's bills that come out that um, affect not only you know just the general public but also you know, the ag, possibly the ag industry, we know exactly what we're dealing with, if that makes sense. And it's not just like, oh, okay, here's this bill. We know, you know, when it's passed, what house it's passed through, find uh, it, who, who even brought it up, that kind of deal. Was it a, um, is it a Republican bill? Is it a Democratic bill? Like that kind of thing. I think that's important to at least generally understand as, um, as you come up into a voting age to be able to make a good decision on those bills. Oh, I completely agree with that. So while we're on the topic of leadership within agriculture, I know that you were on the Oklahoma Junior Cattlemen's Board. So what exactly is that? So the Oklahoma Cattlemen's is an association here in Oklahoma, and it's kind of like something it's something that ranchers can be can pay a little fee to be a part of. Um, and they do a lot of things. They represent them on a state level. 
So for some reason, if something, so like going back to legislation, if something, some sort of legislation were to happen, the Oklahoma cattle, Oklahoma cattle ranchers have a voice in the Capitol. Um, but so, but then adjacent to that, there is a junior board and the junior board is kind of kids who are all involved in cattle some way or another, whether they have a ranch or they just show something like that. But our job really is to run a big jackpot here in Stillwater, um, the summer preview show. That's our big deal. It's a big fundraiser too. And then we also help run the Cattlemen's Convention in July. And we do some leadership activities on our own, but then we also, you know, run errands for Tiffany, who is our sponsor. We run errands for her or run errands for any of the um, the actual OCA board of directors. If they need anything, we kind of go and do that. Um, but same kind of thing as AYC. Really, really, really glad I did it. It's a three-year um, program. So I got on it my freshman year I think freshman year um summer of my freshman year and then or sophomore year one of the two sophomore years COVID sophomore year um and uh, I'll be going off this year but really just I really enjoyed my time on that board but that's kind of really all the big things that we do is we run the preview show and then we help with Calumans convention in July that sounds like so much fun it sounds like you've been in a lot of different leadership things within agriculture. So with that being said, what have you learned about leadership within agriculture and its importance? I think that um, leadership's important because it teaches you so much about yourself. Um, it teaches you, you know, what's a good leadership strategy because not every single group of people that you're going to be with or a team that you're going to be on, no one's the same. And so being in different leadership roles, you have to find a balance that, um, so you're not like changing your leadership role or not changing your leadership um, way of doing things every single time you meet a new group of people. So you kind of have to find this balance of, okay, well, this works for most people and this doesn't. And be able to put yourself in a position where you're not um, you're not the chief all the time. You can also be the Indians as well and, and be the be the worker bee as well and you know work well with a team. Um, I think those are some big leadership things that I've learned. And also agriculture, like leadership is the same no matter where you're at. You're always gonna be whether you're whether I'm on the volleyball court, I'm on the Ag Youth Council, or I am um, with my chapter. It doesn't matter. Leadership is the same no matter where you're at. But in agriculture, there are different leadership roles that need to be filled, if that makes sense, versus other areas. You know, you've got um, advocating. That's a leadership role. You've got actually leading the youth um, as in your chapter or, you know, being a public speaker or a motivational speaker or something like that's a leadership role. Or just being on the Ag Youth Council where there really were no, you know, specific leadership roles, but we were just a council of 20 leaders who were able to experience things and then turn around and be able to teach other people about them, if that makes sense. Those are definitely some incredible lessons, for sure. Great. 
Yeah, I definitely, that's kind of what I've gleaned from that. And most, and some of that I learned from my dad as well, being a football coach, you know, growing up in a coaching family, you know, there's different leadership things that you learn throughout your, throughout your life that um, are definitely helpful for sure. Oh yeah. So in your time in all, on all of these councils and through the FFA and in just life in general, what is one of the biggest things that you've learned about advocating for agriculture? Advocating. Um, it's, it's extremely important. Um, I think I've had a lot of people come up to me and ask like, Hey, well, what's this, this, and this, or, um, you know, I've tried this and it's not working. What's something else that I can do? And I think having been on all those different councils and been in those leadership roles, you just gain experience and you're giving yourself the ability to be able to help others when questions come up or be able to, you know, be knowledgeable about what you're talking about. If you're putting something out on social media, you have the knowledge to be able to back it up if someone asks you a question about it or um, something like that. So having been on all those councils, you're just, in, um, you're just gaining experience to be able to help others. Oh, that sounds like just an amazing thing to be a part of. And I know that advocacy like this big, scary thing, but I feel like what we often don't realize is it's those little social media posts that you put out there. And if people ask you a question and you have the knowledge to back it up, you may not understand it, but that shows a lot about our industry as a whole and the youth that are coming up and going to lead our industry within the coming years. Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. And I think the more, I think experience is like a, is a big deal because, um, being an industry where you're really carried by the boots on the ground, the more experience that you have to be able to, um, back up what you're saying and, and the knowledge that you gain from surrounding yourself by people who are working in the fields and all that kind of stuff, you are just setting yourself up for success or setting the industry itself up for success. Oh, yes. So I know that for us, it's our job to be the role models for those kids that are younger than us. But who has been your biggest role model in terms of agriculture advocacy? Agriculture advocacy. Oh, there's too many. <laughs> um, <laughs> there really is too many to count. So I guess I'm going to give you a few because I couldn't just narrow it down to one. Um, Michael Kelsey, uh, the Oklahoma Cattlemen's Association. Um, I'm really good friends, uh, family friends with his family. And they are just wonderful people all together. But he really does a good job of advocating not only for um, Oklahoma Cattlemen's, but then also just for the ag industry as a whole and just represents it so, so well. Um, Secretary Arthur, I think, has been fun to um, get to know more throughout the year on the Ag Youth Council and just watch a um a woman in power just work like, wow, that woman works her. She works so hard and it's really, really fun to see her be um, just be just that. I don't know. There's no really word for it. 
um, just be as amazing as she was, just to be able to watch that and have a, have someone to look up to um, as a young woman starting my own career and my life in college and possibly a career after that to have a role model of someone who is in a high profile situation and carry it with such grace and poise. It's just, it's just amazing to watch that. Um, let's see my mom, my mom and my dad, both really great um, role models for me. They just, um, just taught us so well throughout my childhood. Grandparents, same way. Um, just taught us so well throughout my childhood that it's now just an industry that I've fallen in love with. Um, those are probably my, uh, what is it? What is that? Six. Those are probably my six big ones, but, but there's more, but those are probably the biggest ones. Those are definitely some great role models to have in your life. I know that in terms of the agriculture industry, my dad and my grandpa have been two of my biggest role models from teaching me all about our operation to even the importance of conservation. It, they okay. have taught me so much and been such great role models in my life. Okay. Yeah, I love that. Awesome. So I know that for you, agriculture is kind of a family affair. So it's definitely made an impact on your life since you were born. But just to sum it up, how has agriculture really impacted your life? I think that it has completely set me up for um, success in my life. And it, because of all the different lessons that it's taught me, you know, being in the barn, having to wake up at the crack of dawn to get calves in the barn, to feed calves or to wash calves and get ready for a show, be at the barn, you know, at Hawaii, be at the barn at two o'clock in the morning to make sure calves are washed and fed when it's freezing outside, that kind of thing. So you learn, you learn hard work, you learn perseverance, you learn dedication to something, you learn, um, you know, to, to grit when it's, freezing outside and the last thing that you want to do is go break water or or go check water you know what you do you pull on your your um overalls you put on your jacket and you put on hat and gloves and you go out and you go check and make sure that there's water broke so the calves can drink that kind of thing um and then on the ffa side of things you know public speaking and and leadership skills and breaking out of my shell because i was actually this might be hard to believe um uh when I was a when I, in my childhood, I was really quiet. I hated social outings. wasn't like I, ha I was friendly and I had friends, but I wasn't the I wasn't the social butterfly. And I'm I, sometimes I'm still not. But you know, having to step into a, step into that role and wanting to step into that role to be on the officer team was a big deal um, for me to be able to say, you know what, you know what, you can do it, and to be able to step out of that. So stepping out of my shell, and then. Um, agriculture really just has given me a vision for what I want the rest of my life really to look like. And after I get out of college, I really do want to start my own operation. Um, and then I want to have a family and, and have it be a family affair as well. Of, you know, raising show cattle and raising just a commercial herd and ha giving my kids the, the childhood that I had type situation. So I really think it's really just made me a very well-rounded person. That is so amazing. That is absolutely incredible. And I love that you have such a great vision for your future. For sure. For sure. Yeah, I'm excited for that. Well, got to get through college first. But uh, 
hopefully we'll make it there. <laughs> so as we're kind of getting into the final couple questions, how can we advocate in our everyday lives? Um, I think really just don't be afraid to tell your story because even telling your ag story is advocating for agriculture because you are someone who, who lives it daily, who's a part of it, and who obviously loves the industry if you're sharing it with other people. And so I think just, you know, any chance you get, try and bring it up or, you know, posting a daily ag post on social media because people look at those things and they're like, oh, hey, they posted that and they'll remember that. So I think just, you know, sharing your ag story um, with people and then, you know, posting a little something on social media would definitely be really helpful in advocating for agriculture. I completely agree with that. I think that social media can definitely be used as a tool for the agriculture industry. For sure. So, Libby, is there any last message you would like to leave the listeners? Um, yeah, I think the something that I learned throughout my four years or five years in FFA and, and just being a lifetime of agriculture is to get involved. Um, and the things that you get involved in, you know, some of it's going to work out and some of it's not. If you in showing livestock, every time you walk in the ring, you're not always going to win every time you walk in the ring or every time you walk into a speech room, you're not always going to win. But the memories and the people and the experiences that you get every single time you do something new is going to make for a lifetime of memories and, and helpfulness. That's what's really helped me. Um, and, you know, sometimes it's going to be a great success and other times it's going to be absolute failure or not failure, but uh, it's just not going to work out the way that you thought it was going to work out. I think my biggest one was probably running for state office. That was definitely a goal and a vision that I had from that I had for myself, but God didn't have that for me. And you know what? Here I am in June, and it's okay. If you had asked me in May, probably not. I probably would have cried, but <laughs> we're okay now. And and I'm super excited for Presley, and I really think she's going to do great. Um, and but the people that I met on that journey. Wow, 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 wow. I don't have enough words to express how amazing that they were. And the connections that I built, I wouldn't trade for anything. And so, you know what, that that um, that journey didn't end the way I wanted it to. But I gained so much from it as well that you can't really, I can't look back on it and be disappointed. I, I look back on it and I'm like, you know, it didn't end well. It didn't end the way I wanted it to. Well, okay, it's fine. I still keep in touch with a lot of the kids that I've met and the experiences that I had and the laughs that we shared. And like, that's, that's my personal story, but the same kind of thing goes for anyone who is nervous to try something because they're afraid to, to fail or that it's not going to turn out the way that they wanted it to. I'm telling you on the back end of something that I wanted to turn out and didn't, it's okay. Just go for it anyways. Cause it, whether it turns out the way you want it to or not, you're going to learn something and gain something along the way. Wow. That is just such an incredible and powerful message to end on. Libby, I am so, so, so proud of you. I just wanted to say that. Oh, thanks. <laughs> well, Libby, it has been an absolute honor to have you on my podcast. 
Thank you so much. I really do appreciate the invite. I'm really glad that I got to answer some of those questions. I haven't really thought about them in a while. So it was really good just to, you know, write them down on paper. I'm sitting here with my notebook looking at everything that I wrote. I was like, yep, yep, yep. Um, there's some really good questions that I got to answer today. And I'm very, very appreciative of the invite. Oh, yes. Thank you so much for joining me. Yes. Well, that concludes this episode of Advocate with Ashley. Listeners, thank you for tuning in, and I hope you enjoyed. And until next week, have a blessed day. Thank you.